Welcome to Admentum's Podcast for Parents series, where we cover topics to help you navigate the twists and turns of home learning. I'm your host, David Cicero, and I'm so excited to join you on this journey. So let's go. My wife and I have a curriculum for home instruction, and we're doing our best to teach and to tutor to our five-year-old, but sometimes it's really challenging. Not only am I trying to figure out how to teach this stuff and make him remember, once I settle in on a way to do it, sometimes I just can't get him to sit still. He wants to pick up this thing, doodle, stand up, walk around, or just otherwise be doing something else, fiddling. After it all, it seems like he learned something, but during, I just wish he'd calm down a bit, and I wish it were more clear that he was learning. Lindsay, you called this behavior the wiggles. What are the wiggles exactly? So the wiggles actually, in my experience, present themselves in a couple of different ways. The most obvious way is the physical way. And that is like you said, get up, you walk around, you sit there and you literally kind of wiggle in your seat like a cat getting ready to pounce. Um, You just can't seem to sit still. And most adults can look at that and immediately identify it. Oh, that, that child is having trouble focusing. That child's wiggly. However, there's also the mental wiggles where you just cannot seem to focus. You cannot seem to pay attention. You're daydreaming. Your mind is considering what we're going to make for dinner. You have been distracted by Candy Crush on your iPhone. And those are the ones that adults engage in most often and don't even realize it. Those are those, dis- those distractions that we allow to pull our attention away from things we need to be working on. Um, in, in your student, it will look pretty similar. You will see the YouTube videos in the background. You will see their phone notifications going off or their phone vibrating. There may be um, other distractions walking in, their sibling, their dog, their whatever. And sometimes it's simply a matter of removing those distractions. Sometimes it's a matter with either the mental or the physical of leaning into them, making them work to your advantage and realizing that just because they're present does not mean that learning is not occurring. So how do we do that? I think, how do we lean into them and try to take advantage of, of that happening and use it to our, to our advantage then? Well, I think first you have to look at why they are occurring. Why, you know, what, what drives us to distraction? What is it that pulls us away from things that we are quote unquote supposed to be engaged in? Is it because we have a low interest in that particular topic? History for a lot of people can be very difficult to get into. So set timers. I can do this for 10 minutes and then I go and I run around the room and get the wiggles out of my system. Uh, Or sometimes it is due to the material being too advanced. So how do we work with that material? Perhaps present it in a different way. If the vocabulary is too robust for a particular student's level, then perhaps show them that concept in a video 
instead, or read it to them, or have it read to them by the computer or someone else. Perhaps it is because they do not have the skill set yet. They would love to do multiplication, but their addition isn't quite strong enough yet. So maybe you need to back up and build up some of those foundational skills first. Maybe there is a, um, a developmental issue or an attention issue at play. And so then you look at that and you say, okay, my student is really, really distracted by sitting in a regular chair. So let them sit on the couch, let them sit on a pillow, get one of those large exercise balls for them to sit on. So once you look at going back to the concept of knowing your student through observation and what is actually going on with them, then what are the, why are they distracted? What is causing them to be distracted? In my experience, there is no child out there who chooses not to do work just because they don't want to do it. There is always a reason for it. And we just have to help them figure out what it is and how to address it. Right. Now, I, I, I kind of feel like I was familiar. Well, first of all, a distract. everyone knows what a distraction is. Sure. You know, when, my, when my son is in here learning and the dog runs in like a tornado, that's a distraction. Absolutely. And so that one's easy to see. And obviously, you know, okay, it's, it's kind of, you know, there's not a whole lot of ruckus going on. I can handle mm -hmm. that. You know, I get that. Uh, now, one that I, I didn't really realize, but you just mentioned was sitting in a regular chair. So sometimes, well, sometimes my son will sit down and do something, but sometimes he wants to stand and do it, which is not a problem. Mm -hmm. Sometimes he wants yeah. to sit on the table and do it, um, which I don't. I don't know if that's really a problem yet. But, but what you're what I hear from you is there's a comfort aspect to it too. You know, like as adults, when I sit down to work, I get to choose how to, how I'm able, or I get to totally control my comfort. Mm -hmm. I get to sit where I want, go where I want, put my headphones on. You know, I have my comfort space. And so I feel like in many cases, we just have chosen for our kids where they're going to work. That's correct. In the brick and mortar classroom, we used to refer to that as cemetery children. Everybody must be in their perfect row, not moving, not speaking. And it's like being in a cemetery with these perfect rows of tombstones. Only those, those tombstones are our children. They're not moving. They're not talking. They're not, they're forced into this very artificial construct. And that's not the best environment for actually getting someone to engage in work. Um, it could be something they did not sleep very well the night prior. Perhaps they're hungry. Maybe there's a tag in their clothes that they cannot see that's bugging them and distracting them and making them kind of wiggle in their chair. A great example of, of how you can, you mentioned leaning into that and, and ways to do that. If you look at Google offices, they have a brilliant solution to all of this. They have the, not saying you need to recreate a Google office, but just an example of how they even recognize this in adults. They have ping pong tables. They have ball pits. They have firemen's poles and slides. They have isolation pods. <clears throat> During their staff meetings, they bounce a beach ball to each other back and forth across the table because they realize people may be distracted for a number of reasons. They give out those fidget spinners that used to irritate everybody to tears. 
those actually have a purpose for individuals who need a secondary stimulation to stay focused. I very often during staff meetings will play a mindless game or do something with the with yarn around my fingers because it then clogs up that mental pathway that says I must move. And because that part of my brain is now engaged in a movement, something or other, then the part of my brain that needs to focus on the task at hand is able to do so. I'm really, I'm really, really interested in this, this line of thinking here that you're, that you're presenting. How, if we just think about two roads, you know, in a person's mind, one road is concentrating on this, you know, you know, this learning topic. And the other road is this need to maybe like move. Mm -hmm. So if I can satisfy that movement need, I actually allow myself to become really focused on the, on the learning road. Exactly. But, but, it, but it could seem like that's not happening. Mm -hmm. I mean, there have been times when I'm like here, you know, with my son, he starts doing something. You think he's not paying attention, but really he's really paying attention. He's really paying attention. Exactly. Uh, my son was in a college art class and during the lecture piece, he would doodle on a sheet of paper and the instructor became angry with him because, well, you are not looking at me. So clearly you are not paying attention. No, my son could then relate everything that the instructor had just said and was absolutely paying attention, but needed that motor piece clogged up in order for the attention to happen because just staring at someone practice it sometimes. If you're just staring at someone and not doing anything else, how engaged are you in what that person is doing? Your, your mental wiggles are now thinking about what to do for lunch. If uh, the shade is going to be over your car in the parking lot, so it may not be as hot. Uh, you know, my foot itches. Your physical wiggles may come out. You may start tapping on the desk. You may start kind of dancing in your seat a little bit. If you think back to college, for those of us who went to college or even back in high school, usually what were you doing when the professor or when the teacher was, was lecturing? You were also taking notes. Sure, sure. I mean, I've been twirling a pen in my hand for the last 20 minutes we've been talking. Exactly. And that yeah. doesn't mean that, that we are not engaged, that you do not know what is being said or how to move into the next question. Sure, sure, sure. So we've got a few things to to kind of highlight here. So I, I like this idea of giving uh, that that sort of physical thing to a child that might need it to to satisfy that wiggle um, and also allow them, really allowing them to pay attention by satisfying that mm -hmm. wiggle. You also mentioned, which is so important now in this remote learning environment, it, the content could be too hard uh, mm -hmm. or it could be or it could be low interest. You know, um, I, I think I, for, 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 for now, I just want to make a comment about the content being a, a bit too hard. You know, these are great conversations that parents can have with, with teachers, right? What sort of assessment might have been given? Are we sure that he's at the right level? Does he need additional tutoring? So if your child is, you know, has the wiggles, that could be a cause. The work there. Um, they're dealing with could be too difficult. Maybe the reading level's too high, the math level's too high. So approaching And conversely, that. it could be too easy. Sure, sure. Mm -hmm. Sure. No, that's a great point. That's a great point. So are they are they working on content that's at the that's at their level? 
as mm-hmm. well. And if it ends up being low interest, how can the the school, the teacher, the parent, you know, increase, um, you know, help them increase that interest? What can they? How can they change it or have conversations about it or recontextualize it so that it's more interesting for that child? So now I think that. Uh, we haven't covered this last question yet, I don't think, maybe a little bit here, because what I want to ask is, how do we make the Wiggles productive? How do we coexist, you know, let the Wiggles coexist with schooling activities? Is the fidget spinner one way to do it, or do you have a different thing in mind? I think so, or, or things like it, those little, um, sometimes it'll be a clicker, Some and sometimes it'll be music. Music, when I was in school, was always a way to help me focus. If it's too quiet, then... I am a hundred other places other than where I need to be. Um, And back then we were not permitted to have music in school. So school was somewhat of a struggle for me. I did my best work when I was at home. Um, So sometimes too, time of day may be part of it. Some students learn better in the evening versus the early morning versus the afternoon. Um, So to make them more productive, I think it's important to lean into them, make them work to your advantage. If you have a student who likes to walk around while they uh, do their math, okay. Because really, what are, what are we after here? Do we want them to actually learn the math material or do we want them to just be that cemetery student of sitting there, not moving and just engaging in this artificial construct of education that was put into place in the public conscience 150 years ago. A lot of it, I think, comes down to letting go of what we, quote, think education is. Education is not the ability to sit in a chair for eight hours a day. Education is learning concepts and being able to apply them in a way that you can demonstrate mastery and connect them to other topics. That's really what education is. It is not sitting in a chair for eight hours a day. So some of it is we have to let go of that association, that learning can only occur when you're sitting at a table or at a desk in a chair. Sometimes it can, sometimes it can't. And we have to build within ourselves that flexibility and that understanding for going towards what we're actually after, which is understanding the concept, being able to perform the concept and being able to connect it to other topics rather than have I sat my child in a chair for eight hours a day. Well, I think it's, it's also good to point out too, that, you know, in some classrooms, these, these things are happening, right? In some mm-hmm. classrooms, when you look, student choice has, has been around forever, you know, um, mm-hmm. and, and parents may not know that parents may think, that, hey, in order for my child to learn well, we need a desk and he needs to sit at that desk. And if he's not sitting at the desk, we've got a problem because he's not learning. But really, if he right. went and spoke with the teacher and said, hey, how do I, how do you incorporate student choice into your classroom? They'd probably get an earful about it. I'm sure they would. I am sure they would. So, you know, if you have a student who is kind of dancing in his chair and bouncing around, put him on a bouncy ball while he learns. Give her the fidget spinner to spin while she's doing whatever. Um, you had mentioned uh, before, you know, uh, uh, pour, your son likes to pour things. And so let, if that's what makes them happy while they are learning about the American Revolution, then let them pour things into between glasses as they learn about that. Um, the, the presence of the Wiggles is not abnormal. It's not weird. It is normal. And 
we have found ways to deal with that. And it's important for us to share those with our, our own kiddos and say, here's what I do when I feel like this. You know, can you still fold the laundry while running around the house? Probably not well. Um, so give them another type of distraction if that is a life skill that you're teaching at that moment. Absolutely. Lindsay, I, I thank you again. Another great conversation and looking forward to more me being able to see my, my own, my own wiggles. Um, I think it's really <laughs> going to be able to help me, um, you know, uh, help my, my help me help my son use them in a productive way in our learning environment. So I thank you again. You're very welcome. Thank you, David. It's been a pleasure. That wraps it up for this episode. Keep on the lookout for more useful topics on the Edmentum Parent Resource page. Thanks for listening.